You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Kind of serious. Who enjoyed Pastor Simo's message last week? Who, yeah, come on. He's not here, so you can say no. It's okay. Um, but I, I, I love it when Pastor Simo preaches because I laugh so much. I, I, he's just, I think he's hilarious. I think uh, he has an incredible gift of blending humour and, uh, and truth. Uh, and that's really beneficial for you guys because I don't have that gift. So, you know, you get like intense Pastor Nate a couple of weeks out of a month and then you get uh, Simo and you get to laugh. And it's like, it's like the stand-up comedian is also bringing this incredible revelation But as many of you would be aware, if you're visiting with us, uh, you may not. We as a church are a part of a global uh, movement of churches. We're a part of C3 Global and we have churches all around the world. And um, the the, the couple that lead our incredible movement, Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle, uh, they're based down in Sydney. Uh, But this morning we're going to do something a little bit new, if that's all right. Uh, Pastor Phil has uh, recorded uh, a message that he feels is critical for kind of the whole movement, uh, something that he wants to speak into the whole movement, uh, all that at the same time. So uh, I just kind of sent this out to, to pastors and said, if, 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 please, could you play this uh, last week or this week? And since we didn't play it last week, uh, we're going to play it this week. And uh, it's like a little bit of a mini message from him around uh, where he feels the movement is moving, uh, where he feels that we are heading, um, part of kind of his vision beyond 2020, things like that. Uh, I, I'm really inspired when I listen to it. Um, but I know for us, it's a bit new to watch something on a big screen. It's not new to watch something on a little screen, uh, but in terms of church, uh, sometimes we're used to engaging with obviously a real person uh, talking. Uh, can Can I encourage you that even though it's on the screen this morning to lean in, uh, I firmly believe that the Holy Spirit speaks not necessarily through a physical uh, person speaking, but because His Word speaks. All right, so it's, it's, it's the Word that speaks um, as opposed to necessarily the person. That's why when we listen to a podcast, we can still get revelation, okay, because the Spirit is moving. So can I encourage you, lean in as we, as we play the message this morning, because I believe the Holy Spirit will speak. I believe God wants to say something to you this morning uh, to be encouraged. And then uh, I'm going to bring you a little bit of a word off the back of Pastor Phil uh, speaking into our series leading into Easter. So uh, team, if we've got Pastor Phil's message ready to go. It's good to hear from the leader of our, our movement, uh, about what he is sensing across the movement. And um, I don't know about you, but I see, I see incredible correlations between what our senior ministers, Pastor Keith and Janet, have been, have been propagating and encouraging in terms of the Holy Spirit, hosting the Holy Spirit. Um, and it gives me great uh, confidence moving forward uh, that we are in the, the will of God for His church in this season. Uh, and we are going to continue as we lean into that to see God bring uh, something fresh on our church, something fresh on each individual uh, so that there's a freshness on the whole body, right? What He does in the individual is never just for the individual, it's for everybody and there'll be a freshness on it uh, and that's going to see an incredible impact in our community. Um, something that, that absolutely stands out to me when I, when I watch that video is his, his heart to see a million worshippers around the world meeting together on a Sunday. Does that encourage anybody? else. That that's where as a movement we're heading. That's the vision that our, our, our director has for C3 globally, that we would see a million people gathered on a Sunday lifting up the name of Jesus. How good would that be to know that we are a part of that vision? Um, 
But obviously, if we are to see a million people uh, gather together, we need to play our part, which is to, to, to encourage and, and to be intentional about helping people who, who don't know who Jesus is, who haven't been into a church, who haven't encountered God, to do so. And, and, and I think that it's no, there's no coincidence that in the midst of a series where we are focusing on what does it mean to bring someone, not just to church, but to bring someone to Jesus, right, right? in the middle of that, we hear a message saying our future looks like a million people. Right now we might be at 120,000 around the world on a Sunday, but our our future is a million. Can I tell you that's going to require every church, every congregation around our globe to partner with the, the idea of bringing somebody to Jesus. It's not going to happen without our involvement. I love what Pastor Phil said uh, in that message where he says, you know, whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do, He does in partnership and He does through us. If there is to be an increase in people coming into the Kingdom of God, that is going to happen through us. It's going to happen through you. It's going to happen through me. It's going to happen because you're having conversations with your neighbour, with your family member, with your work colleague that moves them from one point to another point on their journey in being willing to recognise that Jesus just might be who we say He is. So with that in mind, we're going to dive into a scripture this morning that's related specifically to our series. We've been in this passage looking at the woman at the well, looking at this interaction that Jesus has with this Samaritan woman, which if you know a little bit of biblical culture, you would know how obscure that is to begin with, that He would, he would be talking not just to a woman, but a Samaritan woman. Uh, not, not so strange for us these days to be talking uh, to, to people of the opposite gender or things like that, but in Jesus' day, and age, that was a, a really significant, something that we need to take note of. Um, and so we're going to pick up the story uh, this morning in verse 27 of John 4. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible with you, that's totally fine. We're going to have it on the big screen. Um, although as, as your pastor, I would absolutely encourage you to bring your Bible. Uh, bring your Bible to church. You cannot write on our big screen, but you can write in your Bible. Um, and I, I, I just think that helps. It helps me in life to write in my Bible. So, John 4, verse 27. I'm going to read from the New Living. Uh, It says, Just then his disciples arrived. They were astonished to find him talking to a woman, but none of them asked him why. I think that's, that's really interesting. He was doing it or what they had been discussing. The woman left her water jar beside the well, went back to the village and told everyone, Come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. What an incredible prophetic picture of what it could be like uh, seeing people streaming in to the house of God. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus to eat. No, he said, I have food you don't know about. Who brought it to him? I love how how the disciples always focus on the wrong part of the story. Like They never see what Jesus is actually like. They're like, who brought him food? Totally missing what's happened between him and the woman and the transformation and the deliverance. Uh, they're like, food, you know, Macca's around here somewhere. Come on. They definitely wouldn't be having a bacon egg McMuffin though. <laughs> who, who brought it to him? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Do you think the work of harvesting will not begin until the summer ends four months from now? Look around you. Vast fields are ripening all around us and are ready now for the harvest. Now that speaks into our perception of where people are at in their journey towards Christ. 
You know what? Sometimes we look at someone and we make it, we make an assumption that they are at least four months, put whatever time frame you want, but that they are they are some distance from the point of harvest. They are some distance from where we actually think they're gonna they're gonna acknowledge that Jesus is who he said he is. All right, we put that assumption on them, and Jesus is saying, hang on, don't put an assumption on when the harvest is. Don't assume someone is where they might actually not be. You don't know who's been doing something in their world that you haven't been doing. You don't know who's been planting seeds. You might just be the one that harvests and you don't know where they're at. So don't make an assumption because if you make an assumption, you'll miss the moment. And as we just heard from Pastor Phil, moment by moment makes momentum. And if we want to see momentum in people coming into the house, we need to make sure we make the most of every moment. And we will miss that if we make an assumption of how fast someone is from their, their moment. The harvest is not four months from now. Look around. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one person plants and someone else harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work. Amen. Come on. And you will gather the harvest. Many Samaritans, verse 39 if you're tracking, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay at their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many of them to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe because we have heard him ourselves, not just because of what you told us. He is indeed the saviour of the world. Amen. Now, just, just to make sure that we get our, our weekly biblical quota, um, uh, we're going to read a second passage of Scripture from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. So yeah, this is where, as Pastor Simo would say, you need your flickability. Uh, that's why the analog Bible is incredible. Uh, you, can, you can just flip right over, but everyone on digital needs to go back to the index, to the contents. Let's be honest, some of us with analog go back to the contents too. Uh, but it is 2 Corinthians, it's just to the left. Chapter 5, verse 17 says this in the NIV. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. How good was our, our new series in January focused around this scripture? That was awesome. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God gave us, sorry, I just read that, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Note that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no son, sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. I love that. That is such like a, a climactic moment in Romans where, where Paul is unpacking the reality that, that, that the sin that we had has left us, gone on Christ, and we in return have received His righteousness. That's awesome. I don't know about you, that makes me happy. What I know from that Scripture, and I want, I, want, I want to unpack so that we can frame what we're about to say. We have a ministry before we have a message. That Scripture tells us that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation before it goes on to tell us that we have been given the message of reconciliation. And you might think that that's semantics, but I don't believe in semantics in Scripture. I believe in deliberate things in Scripture. All right, I want to put to you today that perhaps, just perhaps, when it comes to evangelism, there is benefit in people seeing the message before they hear the message. 
that there is a ministry to be done before a message is spoken. Don't get me wrong, there is a message to be spoken. And, and our passage in John makes that very, very clear. There is a message to be spoken. But just, just perhaps before the message is spoken, there is a journey at which people interact with the ministry of reconciliation, the outworking of reconciliation, the relationship that comes from a heart softened by the Spirit of God, one that, one that gives forgiveness, one that gives grace, one that gives love, one that shows what it looks like to, to, to be someone within the kingdom that we're trying to tell them about. Maybe they need to see it before they hear about it. So when they hear about it, they might just have an ounce of belief that it could be true. I don't, does it... Does anyone remember before, before smartphone devices, we, uh, there, were, there were these different games we used to play? Um, who, who remembers playing charades? Who still plays charades? Come on, come on. Just for my, the, all the younger people in the room, um, we used to have these games that we would play just using like our, our body and our face and our hands. And we used to use those instead of these, right? Like, because these didn't exist uh, a few years ago. I know that seems weird to have a, a, an actual world that exists without smart devices. But, but we, would, we would play these games where people had to guess something based on our ability to mime it out, right? So I'm at risk of bringing mime back into the church right now. Um, but, but these games were great because what we would have to do is demonstrate something, communicate something in action before we were allowed to use words. And we were like, do these things, right? Like movie right? And, 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 and book, right? Come on. I'm not, I'm not going to go there because I don't, I don't want mime to be in church. But, um, but you get it, right? What if, what if in seeing the reality of the message, people develop a desire to hear it for themselves. Instead of, instead of trying to communicate something that they don't want to hear, we live a life with them to the point that they're willing to hear. What if we're willing to do a journey with people from where they don't want to hear to where they do want to hear because of what that journey has looked like? What if we, we hold on to the message until after we have done the ministry? This is what I see happen in this story with, with the woman and Jesus. And we're going to quickly go, go through a couple of verses and pull some stuff out. Verse 27 says, Just then his disciples arrived. They were astonished to find him talking to a woman. First of all, I want to say this. I firmly believe that in the future there are going to be moments where we will be astonished at who we find ourselves sharing the gospel with. We will be astonished. We will leave a conversation going, how did that happen? I cannot believe I just had the opportunity to tell the good news to that person. How did that come about? And just on that, let's remember if we do get that opportunity that what we're sharing is good news and that we share it in a way that it can be received as good that we don't share it in a way that is laced with judgment and condemnation because they've been dealt with on the cross. That's the premise of the good news. The good news is there is no more judgment. There is no more condemnation. There is a gift and the gift is Jesus. And that is the best news someone should hear their whole life. And if we frame it in the wrong things, it will not speak of good news. It will speak of something that has already been dealt with and we will have a whole generation that miss the goodness of God because we cannot communicate something because maybe we have haven't experienced it ourselves. I was a Christian for a long time before I understood 
even the smallest amount of the depth and width and breadth of the love of God. I was a Christian that lived under judgment and condemnation for so long. And it eventually pushed me away from the church because I could not reconcile the life I was called to live and the reality of the judgment that was supposed to be attached to it. Which ultimately meant that I had not had a true revelation of grace, of forgiveness, and of what happened on the cross. And my prayer would be that if, if, if you sit in this church, you would get a true revelation of grace and of love so that when you talk about Jesus, so when you talk about His death, His burial, His resurrection, the good news, that it comes out of you as good news. Verse 28 says, The woman left her jar beside the well. You know, she was willing to leave behind the thing that she used to bring a satisfaction for the thirst that was in her. Before we can speak about Christ being our source in an authentic way, there's a few things that maybe we need to leave behind. I, know about, I don't know about you, but I know for me, there were all sorts of things that, that I used to satisfy the ache that was within me. When I walked away from church, there was no doubt that there was this thirst, there was this ache within me and there were all sorts of things that I used to satisfy that. But I had to leave those behind and then I had to be willing to acknowledge that they had been there and now weren't there so that I could point to the fact that I had found something that now truly satisfied. She had these, this jug and you can imagine her, her she, every, every day at noon walking out and they, everyone in the town would have known she's the only one that goes to the well at noon, right? Like, because she's got a history, she's got a story story. She's got, she's got stuff that other people are like, whoo, we're going to hang out with her because we know what she did last summer. And, and, so, and so, you know, now the town sees her coming back from the well without the jar. No one comes back from the well without the jar. That's the reason you went to the well. You went to the well to get the water, to bring the water back to the house so you could drink. Why would someone go to the well with a jar and come back without a jar? It is, it is that question that gives her the opportunity to speak about the satisfaction she's found. Do you know God can use our mistakes to demonstrate His message? It was her mistakes that led her to be the only one that went to that well in the middle of the day, which also meant that she was the one on display when she walked back from the well without the jar. Just imagine the conversations inside the house. Oh, hey, hey, Jenny's coming back without the jar. What do you think she, I don't know why it's Jenny. <laughs> Definitely a good Samaritan name, right? Jenny. What's she doing? Where's her jar, right? Like the questions are already starting and, and, and questions are building this, this foundation for her to actually speak into. Let me tell you why I don't have my jar. Not that she says that, it's because kind of like she's, she's so satisfied. She speaks out of that place. Come and meet, verse 29, come and meet the man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Messiah? Can I tell you that transparency and authenticity demonstrate the power of the reality of Christ? His power and His reality is seen in our willingness to be transparent about our lives and what Christ has actually done. It is our humanity that connects us with people. We don't actually connect with people in the area of our transformation. We connect with people in the area of our humanity. 
And if we are able to be authentic and transparent with the elements of our humanity that God has transformed, then we are able to demonstrate the gap at which we can speak His grace into. But if we are not willing to acknowledge authentically and transparently that we have humanity, that we have brokenness, that we have trial, that we have areas in our life that are not transformed yet, or if we're not willing to acknowledge who we maybe used to be so that we can demonstrate the fact that we used to be here and now we're here and that is the gap that demonstrates that Christ is real. You know, we live in an age where authenticity has become a license to live according to our feelings. Authenticity has, this word has been used to subtly allow a generation to be, well, I feel it, so I am. And somehow that's authentic. Instead of authenticity being used as a framework or a foundation to speak about truth. Because authenticity should be our window in which to show God's truth, not our our reason to live according to our feelings. Can I tell you as, as Christians, as people who believe in Christ, we also declare that we have the Holy Spirit, that we live according to a truth, not relative truth. We believe that this is truth. And our authenticity is when we show our discrepancy between who we are and what this truth says. We do not use authenticity to allow us to live where we want to live in our lives. We use our authenticity to acknowledge that in and of ourselves, we are not all that that we could be, but that with Christ, we have been made all that He wanted us to be. Denial is this double-edged sword. If she had denied her reality before Christ, she would have missed her deliverance. But if she had denied who she had been to the townsfolk, she would have undermined the very gap in which grace is seen and the reality of a life-transforming, loving, all-powerful God gets recognised. We always have two opportunities to act in denial rather than authenticity. We always have two opportunities. One is we can deny where we're at with God. We can be like, no, I don't have, I haven't had five, five husbands. What are you talking about? I don't, I, don't have, I don't have that difficulty in the back closet. Like, I'm just, no, that's not there. Unless we're authentic before God, we have no opportunity for Him to begin to work, to bring freedom into our lives. But on the flip side, if we then walk out of here pretending we have our whole life together somehow, we also miss the opportunity to say that the reason that I have victory in some areas is not because of my strength, not because of my might, but it is because of the Spirit of God. My willingness to to not deny that I am not perfect, my willingness to say, yeah, I still have some faults, But then the fact that I live according to a truth that I'm an overcomer gives me the opportunity to demonstrate gap and tell people how how I went from there to here. It's not because of me, it's because of Jesus. Pastor Simo talked about this, this reality that what if we're the woman at the well? What if our approach to people should be more like her approach to people rather than Jesus's approach to her? 
You see, because what we recognise about what she does is she comes back to the townsfolk and she says, let me tell you about this man. He, he told me everything that I'd ever done. Uh, could he be the Messiah? Could, could he be? Can I tell you, she still had questions. She didn't have all the answers. Don't think that not having the answers disqualifies you from acknowledging your encounter. Because your encounter is real to you. That's, that's your place of reality with God. That's where you speak of something that has happened to you that is undeniable. I can't, I can't, I can't explain it all. She's going back to the townsfolk going, this was crazy. This guy just told me everything I ever did. It's, I, I, could he, do you think he could be the Messiah? Like she's, she's sharing the gospel as a question. And yet we think we have to have every I dotted and every T crossed and every answer to everyone's questions instead of going, I don't understand that, but I know this. I don't understand that, but I used to struggle with this and now I don't. I don't understand all the answers to life and the meaning and the purpose and all of that thing. But you know what I do know? I know that I used to have this sickness and now I don't. That's what I know. And, and, and we don't need to have all the answers. We need to have our encounter. Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm yelling at you a lot this morning. Verse 40, verse 40 shows us the result of her approach. It shows us the result of her willingness to be transparent and authentic. Because verse 40 says, when they came, when they came. You see, we go, we go with an intention that one day they will come. We go and we live our life with an intention that one day through our life will result in people being willing to come with us. Every relationship you should have, you should hold in a tension between intention and love. That we have relationship for the benefit of relationship. It's beautiful, we love people and that's great. But within that should be an intention that your action is slowly moving that person to a place where they themselves are willing to come and check out Jesus. We are mandated with that in Scripture. We are mandated that we both have the ministry and the message of reconciliation, that we have been given the great commission, that we do not live this life without purpose, without mission. And every day we should go with intention. Our relationship with people provides us with opportunities to assist people in arriving at the point where they're willing to come and check out Jesus. Can I tell you that someone's next invitation may not be to church? And I know that that seems contrary to the fact that we're giving you business cards to invite people to come to Easter and I'll encourage you to do that. But someone's next invitation on their actual true journey may be to, to go to coffee with you. That may be the next invitation that you give someone. The next invitation that you present to someone might be to come to your house for a barbecue when you have another family from church over and it's just an opportunity to be there so the ministry can be seen before the message. I firmly believe what we see in Scripture is that Jesus is able to discern where people are at and what amount of journey they need. And in today's day and age, we have to understand that the societal context in which we operate means that a lot of people are quite a few more invitations away from what perhaps they used to, to actually be willing to accept an invitation to church. And my question to you is, are we willing to do those more invitations? Do we live intentional enough that we are willing to do a couple more invitations with people? That we wouldn't be so quick to give the message out of the context of the ministry but that we'd be willing to do an invitation to coffee where we can actually interact with someone at a level of relationship that goes below the footy score 
to actually a need that over time we might just get to be able to speak the name of Jesus into. That if by invitation to coffee, we find out there's anxiety. That if invitation to dinner, we find out that there's sickness. That an invitation to, to, to play group or to something that's on in, downstairs in our centre, that an invitation there, we might be able to find out that there's a, there's, a, there's a real struggle with finance. And that by finding out those aspects of people's lives, we can be authentic and transparent about how we used to be there, but now we're here. And that gap is because of this person. His name's Jesus. I don't have all the answers, but this was my encounter. This is what happened to me. This is what's real to me. He told me everything I'd ever done. He, he talked about this water that would satisfy that thirst within me. I used, to, I used to need a jar. I used to need a bottle. I used to need substance. I used to need stuff on a screen. I used to need these things to satisfy what was in me. But I found something now and I don't need that stuff anymore. I I don't have all the answers, but let me tell you about the person, Jesus. Maybe our invitation could be to move them one step closer to being able to have that conversation. Romans 10, 17 says this, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And this is why we need to understand that not that we just have the ministry, we also have the message. Because someone's decision to accept Christ comes from hearing the Gospel. We should never lose that. There will come a point in your relational journey with someone where you are mandated to say, let me tell you about this person, Jesus. Verse 42 tells us that now we believe because we have heard Him ourselves. Not just because of what you told us, He is indeed the Saviour of the world. You see, their revelation is not based on our story. Their revelation comes from their own encounter, their own moment, where through our relationship, our transparency, our authenticity, they come to a place where they are willing to come out, meet with Jesus. They're willing to come out, come to a service. In a moment of worship, God meets with them, reveals Himself, can I, can I just, if we think that we can convince people of Christ and His kingdom, somebody else will convince them otherwise. But if we trust God with people enough that we can bring them into His presence, can we trust that He will reveal Himself to them and that they will be persuaded by Him not us, that our story might be a means for them to hear the Gospel, but that it's the Gospel, it's, it's the Word of God, it's, it's, it's Him who does the persuading for them. I don't know about you, but I can track in my life the, the journey of persuasion, inner persuasion, to the point where I'm, I'm utterly convinced of the Bible, of its truth, of Jesus, of I'm convinced, but it's not because of what people said. It's not because of people's testimonies, although they played a part in my journey. It's because over time, listening to His Word, He was able to persuade me. He was able to persuade me. And when we have people coming into an atmosphere where God can move, they hear the Gospel and His Spirit moves in their heart to persuade them and then they themselves are persuaded they themselves are convinced 
He is indeed the Saviour of the world. I felt so strongly this week about this message. I felt so strongly in calling our congregation to intentional ministry and message. And I don't know where you're at with this. I try to avoid using the term evangelism because in the past it's looked like different things or people have had different experiences. But ultimately we are talking about helping people who don't know Jesus to meet Him themselves. And I'm calling us as a church to rise to the challenge of doing journeys with people so we can bring a message. I'm calling us that within ourselves we would lean in to Christ so we have a story, so we have a fresh encounter. I'm calling us to leave behind the mindset that we need all the answers when all we need is something undeniable within us. I could tell you a couple of stories, but I'd rather let the Holy Spirit move on you. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment. Because there is a time to say the message that Jesus, that we read about in the Bible, is the Son of God. He came to earth. He lived this life on earth. And then He died on a cross. And when He did that, what He did was He took away the the punishment of sin in our lives. Sin is the word that means the things that we do wrong in the eyes of God. And by doing that, He was able to open up an opportunity for us to have a relationship with God. And I don't know where everyone's at in this room right now, but if you, if you have not had a moment where God has persuaded you that He is real, that His Son is real, that what His Son Jesus did on the cross was for you, let me tell you that that moment is a gift. All we're called to do is accept and believe in the person of Jesus, in His life, in His death, and ultimately in the fact that He rose from the dead in the same way that we rise into a new life when we believe in Him. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.